Welcome to the Bethesda Church Podcast. We're so glad you've joined us today. If you'd like to contribute financially to this ministry, you can do so at BethesdaChurch.tv slash give and simply select the giving option that works best for you. Thanks again for joining us. We hope you enjoy today's message. Amen. Happy Mother's Day. So good. Kids will say whatever they're thinking. You got to love that. Since it is Mother's Day, I thought I would start out with just some things that only a mom can teach. The first thing uh, my mother taught me was anticipation. Just wait until your daddy gets home. She taught me about receiving. You're going to get it when we get home. She taught me to meet a challenge. What were you thinking? Answer me when I talk to you. Don't you talk back to me. My mother taught me about logic. If you fall off that swing and break your neck, don't come running to me. She taught me about medical science. If you don't stop crossing your eyes, they're going to get stuck. My mother taught me to think ahead. If you don't pass your spelling um, test tomorrow, you'll never get a job. She taught me ESP. Put that sweater on. Don't you think I know when you're cold? She taught me humor. When the lawnmower cuts off your toes, don't come to me. She taught me to become an adult. If you don't eat your vegetables, you're never going to grow up. She taught me about sex. How do you think you got here? (laughs) I didn't come up with these. She taught me about genetics. You're just like your daddy. She taught me about roots. Do you think you were born in a barn? She taught me about the wisdom of age. When you get to be my age, you will understand. She also taught me about justice. One day when you have kids, I hope they turn out just like you. Right? Happy Mother's Day. Thankful for all of our moms, and thank you for choosing Bethesda today to spend it with us. Uh, We are in a series that Pastor Josh kicked off for us last week called Vertical. Everybody say Vertical. And he done such a beautiful job setting the series up, talking about if we want to go vertical in our walk with with God, if we really want to, to go to the next level then we have to shift the atmosphere from the normal, um, mundane, average, kind of the way we do things, and we got to shift that if we're going to go vertical and do what God has called us to do. Today, uh, for part two, since it is Mother's Day, I've tried to keep it short and simple, something that we can really grab hold of, and and hopefully some things you can take home with you. But I want to call this message, Aim High. Everybody say that with me. Aim high. If, if you don't aim at something, like if you aim at nothing, let's put it that way. If you aim at nothing, you will hit it every single time. And so all throughout Scripture, we see that God has this calling on His people to aim high, to go vertical. That um, there's really not this place in God where we say, uh, like, th- this their place, when I get there, you know. There's really not a there with God. It's more of when you get there, he has another level. Like, there, there's always another level in God. There's always room for you to go vertical in your relationship with God. And I came across this quote that I think 
speaks to the day that we live in. Albert Einstein said this. He said, great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. Now, I don't want us to move past that too quickly. Get that. Great spirits have always encountered violent opposition from mediocre minds. See, we live in a day of mediocrity. We live in a day where average is celebrated. Average status quo is, is the norm. And, and a lot of people live in such a way where everything is okay as long as you don't change it. As, as long as you, you leave it the way it is. But when you look at the Word of God, God is always calling His people to go vertical, to aim high, to raise their level of expectation. That God has blessed us, I want you to get this, He has blessed us with unlimited ability and potential. And a lot of us, we, just, we, we, we neglect that part of our lives, that, that part that God has put in us. In all of us, there is something in us that wants to do more, achieve more, be more. And, and, and a lot of us, we kind of ignore that and we settle for the status quo, for the average. But God wants his people to go vertical. And you can see it all the way back in the book of Exodus when his people were held bondage. You remember the story, they were under Pharaoh, and Pharaoh told them when to get up, when to go to bed, how much money they could make, all that stuff. And what did God do? He delivered them off of a system, right? He delivered them out of that system, and he brought them into their potential, into their promised land, because God never wanted his people and and their potential to be dictated by anything except what he had put on the inside of them. Hit your neighbor and say, you can do more. You can do more. Now, so he, he calls us to aim high and to, to uh, understand that everything in the Scripture, when we read the Bible, we need to, to know the Bible, everything in it, Paul said, was written for our use. That everything we get from the Scripture is beneficial and we can apply it to our lives And I want to go to Philippians chapter 3 today, Philippians 3, and we're going to extract three points from this passage that I think will help you go vertical. And before I read it, I want you to know that the Apostle Paul wrote this text from a prison cell. And he's he's writing from a prison cell, talking about living a vertical life and talking about having joy even in a dark place. Here's what it says, starting in verse 12. Paul said, not that I have already obtained, very key, you may want to underline that, not that I've already obtained all this or have already arrived. He said, I haven't obtained and I have not arrived at my goal, but I press on to take hold of that for which Christ Jesus took hold of me. Brothers and sisters, I do not consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. I press on toward the goal to win the prize for which God has called me heavenward in Christ Jesus. So the Apostle Paul writes and he says, Guys, I have not arrived and I have not obtained everything that I think God has for me. I haven't taken hold of that which has taken hold of me. Like What Paul is is talking about is that God took hold of his life and now God has a purpose for his life. And Paul said, now, now that God has taken hold of me, I am trying to take hold of God's purpose for me. 
that, that I want to take hold. I haven't arrived. I haven't obtained it. And, and it's really cool when you look at who's writing this. Um, the Apostle Paul, he said, I, I'm pressing and I'm straining toward what God has in front of me. Now, we use language like this. We use language like, um, I received Christ. Or, I'm going to make a decision for Jesus. And, and, and that is not wrong. It is true. There's an element of truth to that. But when we say things like, I made a decision to follow Christ, or uh, I received Christ, we are putting uh, the focus on what we, what we are doing, what we're bringing to the table, instead of what God has brought to the table. It's kind of like this. If I went out today and bought you a brand new Mercedes, first off, you'd say, praise the Lord, right? How many would receive that gift? Bunch of liars on Mother's Day. You would receive that gift, right? Now, now, the point I'm making, if I went out and bought you a Mercedes and gave it to you, the focus should not be on you receiving the Mercedes. The focus should be on the fact that I bought it because it costs a whole lot more to buy that car than it does to receive that car. And the same is true in salvation. Yes, there's an element that we receive Christ, but how many know the focus should be on what Jesus paid so that I could have a relationship with Jesus? That, that's what it's about. So the focus is not on us, the focus is on him. Now, as Paul said, Paul is telling us, he said, I met Jesus, he took hold of me. Now I am trying to pursue and take hold of that for which he has called me. I have a calling on my life, and part of that is understanding that it's a high calling, it's a vertical calling, that, that with this calling I should be aiming high, and he continues by saying that I have to forget about the things that are behind and move into the things that are ahead. The problem is that we do live in a society now that, that accepts the status quo. That we are okay with things being average, things just being as they are. And, and a lot of us, if we're honest, we do just enough in life to get by. Not realizing that God has a higher calling than you getting by. Not realizing that God has a higher calling for you spiritually. He has a higher calling for your marriage. He has a higher calling for your finances. How many of God can raise you up to be a millionaire? Like four of you, yep. No, he can do it. He, there, you you got to understand that there is a, there's a vertical calling from God on your life. And Paul said, I am, I'm pursuing that calling. It reminds me of the story I heard about a professor, he was teaching at a certain university, and he's teaching the freshman students on the importance of aiming high in education. So he's talking about this whole concept of aiming high, and then he gets to this point, he said there's two problems with the culture in which we live. And he went on to say the two problems are this, ignorance and apathy. And then he turned to one of the freshman students and said, isn't that right? To which the freshman student replied back to the professor, I don't know and I don't care. That just about sums it up, right? So, so I'm going to go ahead and say that. I didn't say this in the first service. If you're going to do big things and dream big dreams and pray to a big God and believe for big things and, and live the vertical life, you need to know you will be going against the grain. You will be going against the current of the culture. 
But you got to understand that it's okay. What God has for me is better than just settling for average and mediocre and just get by. Oh, if I could just survive another day. How many know it's time for the church to quit talking survival stuff and we start talking thriving and let's change the world and let's do big things? That's what the vertical life is all about. And so how do, we, how do we do that, Pastor? How do we go vertical? I'm so glad you asked because the Apostle Paul has an answer. The first thing we have to do is we have to resist satisfaction. We have to resist satisfaction. We have to resist the feeling of being satisfied. Resist the feeling of, I've accomplished enough. Resist the feeling that I've achieved enough. What, what goals do you have for your life? Where do you want to be spiritually? What do you really want out of your marriage? What do you want for your kids? What are your financial goals? What are they? I mean, are, are you okay with where you are and you're just going to settle there? Or do you have some goals? Do you have some dreams about those things? See, the Rolling Stones used to sing a song called, I Can't Get No Satisfaction. I'm going to ask Pastor Sam if he'll sing that next week. Because a lot of us... I'm just kidding. A lot of us, we, we're too satisfied. And I'm not talking about contentment. Being content and being satisfied, two different things. Contentment means no matter where I'm at in life, if I'm going through a difficult season, a great season, uh, a season of blessing, a season where I can't find my blessing, I'm going to be content in my relationship with God. But God never asked His people to stop dreaming to stop setting new goals, to say, I've accomplished enough, I've arrived, I've achieved enough things. If you're still alive, and apparently you are because you made it to church, then there are some bigger things that God wants you to accomplish, but you got to be willing to go vertical, to aim high. So the Apostle Paul said, you've got to resist satisfaction. He said, I haven't obtained, but I'm pressing on to something bigger. And what I love about who wrote it is that if anyone could have been satisfied with where he was and what he had accomplished, it was Paul. I mean, he had preached to thousands of people. He had wrote, written a large part of the New Testament at this point. The seven churches we read about in the book of Revelation were birthed out of his ministry. He had seen more lives changed than anyone, and yet from a prison cell, he's saying, I can't wait till I get out of here because so I, I, I got bigger dreams. I, I got more goals. I'm going to do more for the kingdom. And so much so that he didn't even allow a prison cell to stop him from dreaming and changing lives while he's chained up. So what is our excuse? What is our excuse today? Oh, I live in West Virginia. It's just not that much opportunity. Well, they told me you could never have a thriving, growing church like this in West Virginia, but look at what the Lord has done. Look at what God has done. And I'm just going to throw this out here. We're just starting. We're just now starting to dream bigger dreams and set new goals. You can't get satisfied with where you are. See, we have to understand something. Satisfaction leads to stagnation. And stagnation leads to deterioration. That if I'm not growing and learning and developing, I am diminishing. 
we fall into one of the two laws. We are either developing or diminishing. Which are you doing? And a lot of us would say, no, 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 Pastor, I'm cool. I'm just, I'm just hanging out like where I'm at. You know, things good. You know, I, I'm just standing still. No, the world is moving on, and if you're standing still, you're actually falling behind. That there is no standing still. There is no, I'm just going to ride it out, you know. You're either growing and developing or you're not. And, and I'm gonna, I'm gonna, this is going to be a little bit tough because it's Mother's Day and, and I have this tendency to say hard things sometimes. But the word retired needs to be retired. I hear people say all the time, when I retire, when I retire, when I retire. Dude, you are 28. What? Some of you are laughing because you're like, yeah, I said that this week. <laughs> when I retire. See, your family is already planning your retirement party. It just don't look like what you think it should look like. Because they're going to have this big meal right after that that you're not in and you're not a part of. In other words, God will let you know when you're retired. Because I'm not just talking about your job. I'm talking about as long as you got breath in your lungs, you ought to be dreaming some dreams, making a difference somewhere, serving other people, finding a way to make a difference and an impact in this world to live a vertical life. What are you going to do sitting on the porch, rocking in that rocking chair, eating your apple, your turnip? I don't know what you're going to be eating. What, what are you doing? I mean, everybody wants to talk about retirement, but man. Some people, I know people that have retired and decided they're just going to sit and then they die. Why? Because there's something on the inside of us that wants to make a difference. God deposited greatness on the inside of you. And you ain't holding that porch down. It'll be all right. The kingdom of God and the blessings of God are not automatic. I know we like to say things, well, you know, God's got my future in his hands. And we say a lot of cliches, but you have a lot to do with your future, with decisions you make. You can't blame it all on God because what happens is God's got my future. He's got it. He got it handled. And we just sit and we sit and we sit. And then we arrive at our future and we don't like it. And then we blame God because we were lazy and apathetic and had no vision and refused to live a vertical life. I feel like preaching today. Is this all right? I know it's Mother's Day. I promise to smile a couple more times before I'm done. See, for Paul, it all started, you got to get who, who's writing it. I mean, he spent his life killing Christians. His name was Saul. But on his way to Damascus, Acts chapter 9, God said, why are, why are you persecuting me? Saul, why, why are you coming against me by coming against my people? And, and what happened is God knocked him off his horse, struck him with blindness, and told him to go to a man of God by the name of Ananias. Ananias gets word, for, for, uh, a message from God that Saul, who kills Christians, is coming to him to receive sight. Now you got to picture that. This is kind of like, me showing up and saying, hey, next week's guest speaker is Charles Manson. You're like, what? 
And, and God begins to speak to Ananias, and he, he says this to him, because Ananias is like, what's up, God? He's killing people. Like, why, why am I praying for his healing? You know, what, what is this about? And God speaks to him and says, he's my chosen vessel. I will use him to speak to my people. Ananias, all you need to know is that I have chosen this man to do big things. See, your, your God has chosen you. And a lot of us, we're sitting in our family unit waiting on change to come, sitting at our job waiting for change to come, going to that school waiting for change to come. And what God is saying is you are my chosen vessel. I am calling you to live the vertical life. And the change that's going to happen in the home, at the job, at the school, and everywhere you go, it's not going to come from somewhere else. I have chosen you to do it, but you got to be willing to move on, to press on into the things I have for you and not be stuck and things that are behind. So that's what the Apostle Paul is, is challenging us to do, is that we have to resist satisfaction. The second thing that he challenges us to do is to release what is behind us. We have to let it go. We do. Look at what he says in verse 13. Brothers and sisters, I don't consider myself yet to have taken hold of it, but one thing I do, forgetting what is behind and straining toward what is ahead. Now, this whole forget what is behind you, I, I would be doing you a disservice if I said that's easy. How many of forgetting what's behind you is not always easy? It's always necessary, but it's not always easy. The reason it's a difficult thing is because our brain, and some of y'all didn't know you were this smart, but I, I'm about to help you. You are really, really intelligent. Our brain never really forgets anything. Never. The problem is, is that our brain stores and maps all data, like we don't ever really forget anything, but a lot of that ends up in the, the unconscious part of our, of our mind, of our brain. So we don't forget anything. It's kind of like that moment when you're helping your fifth grader at my house with his math, and you're like, I, I know, I thought I did this, but I can't, I can't. Remember that. Like we, Our brain stores and maps everything, but we can't access everything all the time. All right, So we don't ever forget anything. Wouldn't it be great that when you're helping your fifth grader out that you could access what you learned in fifth grade to help them? Like, thank God for Google, right? <laughs> thank God for Google. And, and so we, we don't forget anything. So this is not about, like, I can't remember it. This is the act of forgetting. This is a choice that I'm not going to focus on what is behind me any longer. That every time that, that thought comes, I'm going to say, I have moved on. This is, not, this is not where I'm going to dwell. This is not where I'm going to focus. I'm going to move past this moment. See, there was a, a pastor who, he was dealing with two men in his church who were fighting. And I don't mean like a fist fight. They were talking about each other. And so uh, this went on for months and months and months, and, and these two men, and they were, they were causing division in the church and uh, getting people on their team. And, and so this thing just kept going, and finally one day the pastor had had enough. He brought both men into his office, and he said, I want you all to sit down, shut up. Today we are going to forgive, and today we are going to forget. The two men agreed, all right, we're going to forgive, we're going to forget, and they prayed, everything was great until the next Sunday. 
when one of the guys came back to church, and as soon as he gets there, he starts talking about what the other guy had done against him again. And the pastor gets wind of it. He brings him into his office, and he says, I thought that we all agreed to forget and forgive, move on, you know, that, that this, we're closing the door on this thing. And the guy replied back to the pastor. He said, I forgave and I forgot, but I keep forgetting that I forgot. Come on, hit your neighbor and tell him, forget it. Forget it. you got, you got, to, you got to move past it. And I, this next part is going to be difficult because when I, when I stand up here and say, forget about the things that are behind you, all of us, we, we want to go right to the hurts, the disappointments, the frustration. But when it comes to forgetting the things that are behind you, you have to forget your hurts and your hallmarks. What, what do you mean? That, that means you've you got to forget about the things that were painful, but you also got to forget about some of the successes you've had. Success has killed just as many people as failure. How, how is that possible, Pastor? Because when, when we have a little success, when we taste success or accomplishment, a lot of us become prideful and arrogant, and we don't dream anymore. We, we, we rest in those successes. We, we talk. Like, have you ever been with certain people and every conversation they're a part of is, do you remember when? Why, why is every conversation dominated with, do you remember when? It's because they had a few achievements back then, and instead of dreaming new dreams and setting new goals and aiming high and living a vertical life, they are stuck in a success that's behind them. I know you were great in high school, but you're not great now. Come on, we all know people that peaked in high school. Like that was the highest moment. 18 years old was the peak. How many of we should be getting better? Like you, you know that person that peaked when they were 18. Now you look at them and they're like 40, unemployed, back in mom's basement. But if you... If you see them out and about, they're going to talk about high school. Success, many times we have to move past it just like we do the hurts. And now, the hurts deal with um, things that people have done to us, disappointments that come. How many? Nobody injures us quite like we injure ourselves. Like decisions we make that keep us locked in the past and keep us from moving forward. Hebrews chapter 12, 1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. One translation of this says, we have to lay aside every weight. Now, one of the things that I like to do at this point in my life because I wanted to get in shape was run. Now, for a runner, the worst thing you can do as a runner is is to try and run with more weight on you. It's hard for every part of your body. Like, if you're going to run, you don't need ankle weights. Right? You don't need an inner tube. Like, the less weight you have, the easier it is to run. What point are you making, Pastor? Here's what I'm saying. What weight from your past is weighing you down so much that you cannot move into God's future for you. 
What family issue is it? What financial decision is it? What, what, hurt is, what success is it? What is holding you from moving in to the vertical life that God has called you to? See, we, we all have hurts. We all have hallmarks. But Paul said, i got to forget about those things if I'm going to live the vertical life. Don't turn your mind into a museum. What I mean by that is a museum is a wonderful place to visit, but it's not a great place to live. The cool thing about a museum is is that it has a closing time. Buy yourself a ticket, visit for a little while, and then move on and live your life and dream bigger dreams and live the vertical life God has called you to, to live. Don't get stuck in the museum of your past. When someone asks you, what's the greatest accomplishment that you have? Tell them the next time you hear that, like, what's, what's the greatest thing you've done? What's the greatest accomplishment or achievement you have? Here's what you, we should be saying. I don't know because I haven't done it yet. I don't know because I haven't done it yet. My best days are not behind me. My best days are in front of me. So Paul is, is challenging us to live this vertical life, to throw away. Some of us, let's just get real. We need to go home today and throw away the trophies from high school. Yeah, you were great then, but what are you doing now? Get rid of some of the stuff that keeps us locked in the past. So resist satisfaction. Forget about those things that are behind you. And number three, reach for what is before you. Reach for what's before you. There's some things God has in front of you that's better than what's behind you. And man, it's, it's hard for some people to see that. It's hard for them to really fathom that, that God really does have some great things in front of me that he's prepared for me. What, what do you want for yourself spiritually? Where do you want to be in God? What is it that you want for your marriage? What is it you want for your kids, your career, your education? What, what is it that you want to accomplish? You've got to write some goals, set, set some goals, and then start moving toward them. You've all heard this, but we all know that the windshield of our car is much bigger than the rearview mirror. How many know there's a purpose for that? Because you can't, if we're, if we're going to drive the car down the road, we need to be looking at what? What's in front of us, not what's behind us. The focus needs to be in front. I mean, the only reason that rearview mirror is there anyway is to make sure the cop's not behind you. I'm just playing. I'm just playing. Just playing. Some of us spend all of our energy talking about the past. Do you remember when? Look at what I did here. We have to move past that. Get a dream for your life, for your marriage, for your kids, for, for where you're going spiritually. Paul said that I press and I strain toward what's ahead. I, and, and this is so good because what he's saying is he's using terminology for Olympic runners that would put all of their energy into something. Like they don't run halfway, they run their race with everything they have. So Paul's saying, I'm putting all my effort, all my energy into moving forward. I'm not going to waste any of my energy on the past. I'm going to say this. I didn't plan to say this. You only have so much emotional energy. And some of us, we are emotionally bankrupt 
because we focus on the past and the past doesn't exist, which means you can't resolve it. I know there are things you would like to go back and change, but you can't. The past is what it is. Do the best you can with it. But you need to put your emotional energy and effort not into things back here, but things that are up here if you want to live the vertical life God has called you to live. Anybody ready for that vertical life? you you got to do it. Man, I feel this thing. See, the ultimate goal is heaven, right? We all want to get to heaven one day. And when you get to heaven, you can relax. You can chill. Put your feet up. But while you're here, you should be making a difference. You should be setting some new goals. As the worship team comes back, I want to encourage you to resist that feeling of being satisfied. Forget about the things that are behind and then start reaching for the things that are in front of you. I also want to say that you need to press on in character. Everybody say character. You need, to, you need to press on in that. You need to go vertical in your character. Why? Because the Bible says that your gift, okay, what God has put in you, will open doors for you. The gifting God has put in you, the Bible says I, that God can take you from nowhere and put you before kings. That your gifting can literally cause you to stand in rooms that you had no business of standing in, can bring you before people you never thought you would be before because God has put greatness on the inside of you. And so your gift will get you in rooms, but your character will keep you in the room. And so a lot of us, what, what happens is, and the, the point I make it, why do we got to press on and go vertical in character? Because a lot of us, the truth is, we better take some pictures when we get in the room because our character has never caught up with our gift. God is calling you to go vertical. He's calling you to go to, to press on, to go vertical in love, patience, joy. Listen, he's called you to go vertical in wisdom. Listen, if you're a leader, and I believe every person is a leader at some kind of level, leaders are learners. So that means your education never stops. For some of you, you've been contemplating, should I go back to school? Should I get another degree? Should I get a master? Should I get a doctor? Absolutely, you should. Go for it. Grow. Learn. The Bible says in all you're getting, get what? Get wisdom. It's the principal thing. You get wisdom, you get everything else. So continue to grow. Don't settle for where you are. God has more for you. And I I hope that when you leave here today, that you're inspired to dream a bigger dream. To believe that God can do something with your life that would blow your mind. Press on in your education. Press on in your wisdom. Press on in your discipleship. Continue to be intentional about denying yourself, taking up your cross, and following Jesus. You say, Pastor, I want to be a leader. Well, learn how to serve. Right? We're going vertical. We're going to live. We're going to aim high. There are certain keys that unlock certain doors. As a church, I felt led to say we are, we are compelled and called by God that even at this juncture of our church, we, we need to make a decision that we're still going to move forward. We're going to live a vertical life. We're just getting started. If God has done all of this up to this point, just imagine when we get in that new facility 
and we can seat a whole lot more people and we can make it more convenient. Just imagine what God is going to do with all those lives, all those people. You say, well, that's just a number. No, every seat, every person, every number has a story. And we here at Bethesda Church, we're not going to stop bringing people. We'll do anything short of sin to bring people into a relationship with God. We're not going to be content with where we are and what we've accomplished. And we're not going to get stuck talking about what we've accomplished or or any of that. We're going to focus and put our energy into what God wants to do in the future moving forward. Anybody want to be a part of a church that's moving forward? Come on, stand with me. I want you to bow your heads and close your eyes. And I believe today, if you're a wife, if you're a husband, a son, a daughter, if you're a business owner, I I don't know what you're... I believe that everybody could pull some things out of this message that could change your world, that could help you go vertical. Father, I just pray that you would just seal these words in every heart today. Seal these words. Help us, God, to dream some bigger dreams, to aim high. God, to go vertical. As every head is bowed, every eye closed, no one looking around. If you're in this place and you're not in a relationship with Jesus, that's the first step in going vertical. There's a high calling on your life. Just as God knocked Saul off of his horse and said, I've chosen you. You haven't even been thinking about me, but I've been thinking about you. Some of you may be in this place and you're not in a relationship with God and you haven't really thought about God. You just showed up on Mother's Day, thought you would do a little service, go to lunch, but now you're here and the Holy Spirit's speaking to your heart about your need for Jesus. If that is you, I don't want to embarrass you or bring any unwanted attention to your life. So as heads are bowed, eyes are closed, if you need Jesus, if you need to make him the Lord of your life, your sins to be forgiven, if that's you, would you just throw your hand up right there where you are? Say, that is me, Pastor. I need Jesus today. One back here. God bless you. God bless you. Anyone else? Another one over here. God bless you. I see that hand. Anyone else? If you're watching online, we would love to pray for you as well. Anybody else before we pray? I want every voice lifted together. Let's pray these words. Say, Dear Heavenly Father, I come to you in the name of Jesus. I'm a sinner. I've committed sins. I need a Savior. So Jesus, I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. Today, I repent and turn away from all those sins. I'm asking you to be the Lord and Savior of my life. Thank you for saving me. In Jesus' name, amen. Come on, let's give them a big hand clap. Amen. If you made that decision today, there's a connect card in the seat back in front of you. If you would take a moment, fill that out. Let us know you made a decision for Christ. Leave it in your seat. Our team will grab it right after service. Right now, though, we want to open up these altars. I want to ask the prayer team to get in place, be ready to receive people as they need prayer. Um, I don't know what you need prayer for today. It doesn't matter. We pray for, we don't have to pray just, you know, about what we preached. You, you may have another situation that you need prayer for. That's what this moment is, is all about. We want to be here to pray for you. How I many of prayer changes everything? So we don't want to just move past this. We want to offer this and, and, and just believe that God can change whatever it is you're going through. 
before we do that and sing this last song, can we give God, if you want to go vertical, can you give God the best praise you have all day? Come on, if you want to go vertical. Thanks for listening to this week's message from Bethesda Church. We hope you'll stay connected by following us online. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and our website, BethesdaChurch.tv. Thank you for joining us and have a great day.